It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in. To the Locked On Reds podcast. Happy Thursday to you. We're almost to the end of this week. I'm telling you what, this year's flown by. We're already through the first week of February. Just absolutely crazy. On today's show, I want to talk about Luis Castillo. There's been a lot coming out here lately about the possibility of the Reds trying to sign an extension with him. I'm going to tell you why I think that's a good thing and what a little bit, a rough picture of what that might look like. Also, today's Reds killer of the day later on uh, between me and Ken Huber at Obscure X Reds and all of that good stuff. But before we jump into that, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, the Himalaya podcasting app, Podbean, whatever app you use. Hit that subscribe button. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked On Reds. Check out LockedOnReds.com for even more content and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone. Remember, we'll have a segment, I believe it'll be, yeah, well, obviously tomorrow's podcast because tomorrow's the last podcast of the week, but tomorrow's podcast will do some Lockdown Reds line stuff. So 513-549-0159. Deuce team assemble! The Reds made it official and announced the signing of Pedro Strope, which of course brought out everyone's hot takes about wearing hats straight and all that good stuff. But on the good side, it is now official, a one-year, $1.825 million deal. There's something close to $1.7 million in incentives, mostly based on appearances and games finished. I don't know that he'll get all of his incentives, but... That is pretty nice. He will he will wear number forty six. Shout out to Kevin Gosman. Actually, fu- funny thing, I was looking this up. The longest tenured number forty six in Reds history. Anybody? All right, whatever. You can't guess. I can't hear you. Jim Maloney, from nineteen sixty to nineteen seventy. Ten years or eleven years. It was eleven years. Whatever. Uh, Jim Maloney wore number forty six. The second longest tenured. Number 46. It's actually a three-way tie between Rob Murphy, 83 through 85, Pete Shorek, 94 through 97, and John Reedling, 2001 to 2004. The unfortunate news from this official announcement was that Sal Romano got the DFA tag applied to him. He is most assuredly either going to be sent to another team through a trade or another team will claim him off of waivers. I highly expect that to happen, and I look forward to seeing him continue to grow 
in his career because I thought that he showed stretches of brilliance, at least talent. And I don't know that he was brilliant, but he had some really good games there a couple of years back. It's just that last year, with them bolstering the starting staff, they didn't need him to start anymore. And then he just never really caught on with the bullpen. Control was kind of a big thing for him last year, and in that it was a problem, kind of a big problem for him last year. So hopefully he can rein that in with his new team. Wish him the best of luck. It was interesting, as uh, our friends over at the Red Reporter pointed out, uh, Wick was talking about how does Sal Romano get the get the boot, but Scott Shebler's still on the team. Maybe maybe the Reds know something we don't, and Shebler is actually just in crazy amazing shape. Who knows? Could be. Could be part of a move. I'm not really sure if what that would look like, but hey, he's still on the team. We'll see what comes. Of that, so let's jump. Actually, all right. Before we jump into today's focus topic, this was something that I didn't necessarily plan on talking about. Uh, it's, it's news that came across everyone's Twitter feeds and and Facebook feeds and internet feeds, all that good stuff yesterday. And it's that Pete Rose applied for reinstatement. And he cited the lack of player discipline and player punishment for the Astros incident, where they were cheating and they altered games and blah, 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 sign stealing and all that stuff. Here's the thing. Did Pete Rose's gambling ever influence the outcome of a game? No, it didn't. Did Major League Baseball partner with casinos and sportsbooks in order to profit off of the recent legalization of gambling? Yes. Does that make what Pete did right? No. It was against the rules. He broke the rules when he was a player. It's like if you found out that the history test that you failed whenever you were in high school is now so much easier that no one fails it. You're not going to call the high school back and be like, yo, give me an A. It doesn't work that way. Look, I think the plan, at least from Major League Baseball's perspective all along, is that they would reinstate him shortly after Pete Rose passes away. And I know that that might be kind of morbid to think about. That might be kind of a negative. That's just kind of the way that I've seen. You know, when you look at all of this, it just kind of seems like what they're doing. If they do that at all, but if they were to reinstate him and induct him into the Hall of Fame, that's how it would happen. And you know, I, I'd seen some folks uh, and my friends over at Locked On Major League Baseball were looking for some response from the Locked On Reds account about this uh, news story. I really wasn't thinking about it, but you know, here's here's what I got to say about that, and then we're gonna jump into Luis Castillo. I'd much rather talk about Luis Castillo, but here here's my thought. Let's celebrate Pete Rose's on the field accomplishments but realize his off-the-field flaws and antics and all the junk that he got himself involved in preclude him from us defending him. We are fans. We do not have to defend the person. We, we watch the team play. What they do off the field does not concern me. And, uh, you know, he's done more than gambling. You, you can look it up on Google. I'm not going to get into all of it. It's, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to talk about that. But here's the deal. I will remember the fact that he is baseball's hit king. 
but that does not mean I will allocate my any any amount of my energy toward defending him and and saying that he should be reinstated, saying that he should be in the Hall of Fame. He knew the rules, he broke them. End of story. We're we're not going to dig this up every single time someone else does something wrong and he compares the punishment to that. I'm just I'm not going to do that. So anyway, that's the way that I feel about it. Look, he's the hit king. He is one of the best players in Reds history. Off the field, he is a terrible human being. Period. End of story. We're moving on. Let's talk about something a lot more fun here in just a moment. But first, spring training is almost here, which means Cactus League action is forthcoming. And if you're planning to get out to Arizona to watch the Reds and any and all other Cactus League teams, the best way to get out there is visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 major league teams all within a 50-mile radius of greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. And on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, Arizona is known for its outdoor adventures and national parks, lots of great places to explore. But when it comes to the game, I mean, spring training, everyone is so laid back. You can meet your favorite players, get some autographs, and then enjoy some baseball in some nice warm weather. If you're like me and you live in the tri-state area right now, you're freezing your bunions off, head out to Arizona, warm up, and watch some Reds baseball. Best way to do that, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Go there and book your spring training excursion today. I swear to God, I'm smart. The thought has crept up here recently that it's time for the Reds to start exploring a contract extension with Luis Castillo. And I think that would be a very prudent course of action. I mean, we're talking about one of the best pitchers that the Reds have had at least, you know, uh, potentially. I mean, he's shown some good stuff in his first couple of career years, but to say that he already is at that point is kind of preemptive. But at the same time, he has been absolutely phenomenal. These first three years, he has shown oodles of potential. It would be nice to have locked up for very team-friendly numbers. Look, okay, this is not me jumping on a soapbox to say, well, the Reds are small market and they need to spend as little money as possible. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if you look at some of these contracts, and I'm going to get into them in just a second, but a couple of extensions that I saw, I wanted to compare a possible Castillo extension to, it might be good to get out in front of this storm. Because he has the potential to really blow up, especially this year. And it may be that he's not even looking to negotiate a contract right now. He's not a free agent until 2024. I'm saying the Reds should buy out his arbitration and extend. I've seen that take as well. Extend him a couple of years, postpone free agency a little bit. The interesting thing will be is if he is willing to even want to do that. He's 27 right now. If the Reds sign him for any longer than his current deal has him at, he would be into his 30s before he's a free agent. If the Reds are able to lock him up for another five years, so, you know, take away two free agent years, that's probably going to cost a little bit of money. 
the two guys that I was looking at for uh, some sort of reference here, uh, last year, last offseason, the offseason in between 2018 and 2019, Aaron Nola and Jacob deGrom both got contract extensions. Two very different contract extensions. Aaron Nola got four years at $45 million, while DeGrom got five years at $137.5 million. So obviously two very different average annual values there. You've got $11 million in change for Aaron Nola, and you've got $27 million in change for Jacob DeGrom. So probably Luis Castillo would fall somewhere in between. I'd be interested to see exactly what the Reds could get. We're talking about a dude who is uber-talented. Most of the league recognizes this. And just to uh, be clear, among starting pitchers last year, this is according to Baseball Savant, among starting pitchers, and I kind of I filtered this a little bit, so he had at least 500 plate appearances and he had against him, and he had at least 400 batted ball events any time that a ball was put in play. Castillo was fourth in barrels per plate appearance. He only allowed 3.1% barrels per plate appearance, i.e. solid contact. Guys who were able to do something with the pitch that was given to them, only 3% of the time that happened. And that led to some other good numbers. We're talking about he was the sixth, sixth best pitcher in limiting opposing batting average he, he allowed an opponent's batting average of 202, seventh best in slugging percentage allowed at 343, and he was top 10, number 10, in opponents' weighted on-base average. And weighted on-base average, just for those of you in the back, is a all-inclusive term talking about how good a hitter could be. He held opposing hitters to a weighted on-base average, or at least expected weighted on-base average, of 277. Now, I will note that expected stats are supposed to be different. That's just saying what they could control, that's what hitters should have looked like against him, which is phenomenal. Last year's ERA plus 133, well above average. His career ERA plus is 119. So still very much above average, 226 strikeouts. We all remember that of last season. He is a really good pitcher. And it might behoove the Reds to at least explore the idea of buying out a couple of years of free agency. If they do that, though, for him individually, it will be interesting because he will be probably 32, 33 before he hits free agency. And we've seen what happened to pitchers that aren't necessarily young but aren't necessarily old. They kind of get mid-level contracts. I'm not sure if he'll be open to such a deal. But for reference, both DeGrom and Nola got contract extensions after absolutely phenomenal years. In fact, Nola's deal, according to baseball reference, Nola had a 10 and change Wins above replacement the year before he got his extension. Jacob deGrom, that was after his first Cy Young award. He, he won his second Cy Young last year. But after 2018, he had a nine and a half wins above replacement. So these guys had phenomenal years right before their extensions. It might behoove the Reds to jump out ahead of that. And that way they can allocate that money somewhere else. But again, I'm not trying to advocate that the Reds pay less. For people, I know that people thought that Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies really got jobbed in their extensions by the Braves. 
we'll see how that all plays out. I mean, obviously, the Rockies signed Nolan Arenado to a big extension. Now they're talking about trading him. Things can change. But I would love to see the Reds extend Luis Castillo. We're wrapping things up here on a Thursday, but before we do, I want to get in a segment of the Reds' killer of the day. For today's segment of Reds' killer of the day, Ken is with me, and we are going to talk about the third baseman who killed the Reds the most. And I remember this was a little bit of a contentious thing because uh, whenever we were talking about him, simply because of his obscurity, but that's kind of what makes this so awesome. And and, and in case you guys don't know, and I'm not going to get too much more into it because I want Ken to talk about him a lot more. If you don't know who he is, look him up because guess what? That's, that's one of the funnest parts about being a baseball fan is reading up on the history of baseball. So without further ado, Ken, take it away. Who's the Reds killer at third base? Our third baseman goes back a little bit. It goes back to the early and mid-80s. It's Ron Say. Ron Say was the third baseman with the Dodgers and the Cubs. And this is back when the Reds were in the NL West with the Dodgers. And so he faced he faced the Reds 820 times um, in, in his career. And uh, to be on the team, he, he slashed a mediocre uh, 261, 354, 445 with the Dodgers and the Cubs, but you put him in the batter's box against the Reds and he, and he turns into an all-star 304, 384, 541 for a 925 OPS. Um, he's just, he was that much better against the Reds than, than he was against the rest of the league. And he, he would come to the plate with the Dodgers and just mash. And it gets back to, those pitching staffs in the in the early and mid eighties weren't as good as as the other ones. So um, you'll see a little bit. This continues with that theme that we've seen. You don't say. Sorry, I was I was I was keeping that up. But, you know, Ron say you don't say anyway. That's just yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah, bad joke, bad joke. <laughs> but no, it's I mean it's it's nice because I mean it's like you said it follows along the pattern of bad pitching, but we're not necessarily looking at an entire team worth of Reds killers that happened to appear between the years of 2015 and 2019. It spans a lot because the Reds have been a lot around for a while. I don't know if uh, you uh, know that, but with Ron Say being on the list, that definitely gives us the flavor of having, hey, this isn't just a last 10 years sort of thing. And and when you look at Ron Say, he beat out some interesting names. I mean, there's other guys on the list like uh, Aramis or Aramis, depending on how you say it, Ramirez and... Uh, guys like that. Who else did he beat out at third base? Um, he just had he just had one of the one of the bigger differences. Um, Aramis Aramis was good against the league and a little better against the Reds, but um, Chipper Jones was a Hall of Famer, good against everybody and a little better against the Reds. But Ron say the gap was um, was as large as I found. Um, and listeners play along. If you find somebody who you think qualifies, tweet him at me. Um, I'd love to keep updating this team and, um, and have it current. Um, and I'm going back, and it's um, some players are currently playing, and some players are retired. So um, I'm looking for 
the, the group of players who just mashed against the Reds. And that's at obscure X Reds on Twitter. And, and that's the, that is the remarkable thing about Ron say being the best third base killer against the Reds because he did it. Like you mentioned in 820 plate appearances. It's not, I mean, that's, that's almost two, two full seasons worth against one team. And he was that good. Just yeah. phenomenal. And this is back with fewer teams when they're playing the Dodgers in the division 20, 25 times a year. And he keeps coming to the plate and he keeps mashing. Well, we are now three positions in. We've got our first baseman, our second baseman, our third baseman. First base, we had Eric Thames. Second base, Bill Hall. Third base now, Ron Say. Tune in next time. We'll reveal the all-time Reds killer at shortstop. Thanks again, Ken. Thanks, Jeff. That'll do it for us here on a Thursday on the Locked On Reds podcast. If you haven't already done so, hit subscribe on the podcasting platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone. Hit me up at 513-549-0159. Give me your questions, comments, reactions. If you've got a Reds killer of the day nominee or somebody to talk about, let us know on Twitter or on the line. Also, check out LockedOnReds.com for the blog for even more content. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.